the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bible, the most unique book in all of human history. It claims to be divine in origin, and it delivers a message that, if true, affects every human being on the planet Earth, in this life, and in whatever awaits us when this life is over. The Bible is unique in its survival. Over the past 2,000 years, no other book has been subjected to the intense scrutiny that the Bible has endured. Generations of linguists, historians, and archaeologists have explored the details of the Bible's production and tested the accuracy of its transmission to us today. Critics and foes have come and gone. Problems have been raised and solved, and still the Bible stands. Totally alone in the degree of its historical accuracy and reliability. The Bible is also unique in foretelling future events. The Old Testament alone contains over 2,000 specific predictions about people, cities, nations, and empires. Predictions made hundreds of years before being perfectly fulfilled in history. The Bible is unique in its influence. It's been called the fountainhead of Western civilization and is by far the most quoted text in America's founding documents. Millions of men, women, and children from every station and walk of life have felt the liberating, redeeming power of this book of books, and their changed lives have changed the world and the course of history. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar is your opportunity to hear this unique book, the entire Bible, every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Soapy Dollar. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight for The Bible Live. We have just gotten started now. Last night, we began with the book of Genesis, chapters 1 through 4. We reminded you that in the book of Genesis, everything is beginning. That's what the name means, the beginnings. Everything is done for the first time. These are very, very much precedent-setting passages. The things that are recorded for us here have long-term significance for human beings. You've all heard, perhaps, of this little booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws. God loves you. There's a problem of sin, but God has solved that problem of sin through sending his son, Jesus the Messiah, providing salvation and giving individuals an opportunity. The fourth principle being we must each make our personal decision as to whether we will follow God and be a part of his people or not. Every one of those laws or principles is founded here in the book of Genesis, and they are extremely important if we would understand our own lives in the world we live in. Right now, let's go to Psalm 2, our wisdom and worship segment on the Bible Live. Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage? Why do the people waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from this slavery. But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. 
Then in anger he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem, my holy city. The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Only ask, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the ends of the earth as your possession. You will break them with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. Now then, you kings, act wisely. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverent fear and rejoice with trembling. Submit to God's royal son, or he will become angry and you will be destroyed in the midst of your pursuit. For his anger can flare up in an instant. But what joy for all who find protection in him. End of reading Psalm 2. recognize that prayer it comes uh, right of course it's in the psalm but this is the exact psalm that was quoted by the christians right after john and peter were taken before the council as they proclaimed the gospel of jesus resurrection they quoted in their prayer meeting from this particular psalm as we begin these chapters now in the book of genesis we're approaching with believing hearts trusting hearts this is a record that was passed down through oral tradition Moses wrote it down in these opening chapters of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, probably during the time of the wilderness wanderings after the children of Israel had come out of Egypt. We have covered the creation of man, the creation of the world, Adam and Eve, the fall of humanity in in chapter 3, the fall of man into sin. Now, that's a very important thing. It's not just simple, tiny, little, insignificant stories. They are significant because they set a precedent. This is the basis and the foundation of original sin. We were all in Adam and Eve. We all fell under the consequences and the judgment of sin by a holy and righteous God. Genetically, we understand that now. All of the possibilities for the over 14 or 15 billion people who have ever lived on this planet, all of the genetic potential, all the DNA potential for each of us individually was located in Adam and Eve. The race fell under the condemnation of sin, but God sent a Redeemer. Just as he killed an animal and blood was shed to cover the nakedness and the shame of Adam and Eve in the garden, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. The soul that sins, it shall die. These are principles, the principle of sin in the human race. So now we're going to see that principle begin to work its way out. Paradise has been lost. It's been closed to them. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil had done its job. It brought Adam and Eve into the experience of good and evil. Brought into that experience by choosing evil, they could have gotten into the same experience by having chosen good. They were cut off now from the tree of life, and we're going to see now as the principle of sin begins to work its way through the human race on the Bible life. Genesis 5.1 through 9.7 Genesis 5. This is the history of the descendants of Adam. When God created people, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female, and he blessed them and called them human. When Adam was 130 years old, his son Seth was born, and Seth was the very image of his father. After the birth of Seth, Adam lived another 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. He died at the age of 930. When Seth was 105 years old, his son Enosh was born. After the birth of Enosh, Seth lived another 807 years, and he had other sons and daughters. He died at the age of 912. When Enosh was 90 years old, his son Kenan was born. After the birth of Kenan, Enosh lived another 815 years, and he had other sons and daughters. 
He died at the age of 905. When Kenan was 70 years old, his son Mahalalel was born. After the birth of Mahalalel, Kenan lived another 840 years, and he had other sons and daughters. He died at the age of 910. When Mahalalel was 65 years old, his son Jared was born. After the birth of Jared, Mahalalel lived 830 years, and he had other sons and daughters. He died at the age of 895. When Jared was 162 years old, his son Enoch was born. After the birth of Enoch, Jared lived another 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. He died at the age of 962. When Enoch was 65 years old, his son Methuselah was born. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived another 300 years in close fellowship with God, and he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years in all. He enjoyed a close relationship with God throughout his life. Then suddenly he disappeared because God took him. When Methuselah was 187 years old, his son Lamech was born. After the birth of Lamech, Methuselah lived another 782 years, and he had other sons and daughters. He died at the age of 969. When Lamech was 182 years old, his son Noah was born. Lamech named his son Noah, for he said, He will bring us relief from the painful labor of farming this ground that the Lord has cursed. After the birth of Noah, Lamech lived 595 years, and he had other sons and daughters. He died at the age of 777. By the time Noah was 500 years old, he had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 6. When the human population began to grow rapidly on the earth, the sons of God saw the beautiful women of the human race and took any they wanted as their wives. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. In the future they will live no more than 120 years. In those days, and even afterward, giants lived on the earth. For whenever the sons of God had intercourse with human women, they gave birth to children who became the heroes mentioned in legends of old. Now the Lord observed the extent of the people's wickedness. And he saw that all their thoughts were consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will completely wipe out this human race that I have created. Yes, and I will destroy all the animals and birds too. I am sorry I ever made them. But Noah found favor with the Lord. This is the history of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless man living on earth at the time. He consistently followed God's will and enjoyed a close relationship with him. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth had become corrupt in God's sight, and it was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, and he saw violence and depravity everywhere. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. Yes, I will wipe them all from the face of the earth. Make a boat from rosinous wood and seal it with tar, inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make it 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Construct an opening all the way around the boat, 18 inches below the roof. Then put three decks inside the boat, bottom, middle, and upper and put a door in the side. Look, I am about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing. 
Everything on earth will die. But I solemnly swear to keep you safe in the boat, with your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of each kind of bird and each kind of animal, large and small alike, will come to you to be kept alive. And remember, take enough food for your family and for all the animals. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 7. Finally the day came when the Lord said to Noah, Go into the boat with all your family, for among all the people of the earth I consider you alone to be righteous. Take along seven pairs of each animal that I have approved for eating and for sacrifice, and take one pair of each of the others. Then select seven pairs of every kind of bird. There must be a male and a female in each pair to ensure that every kind of living creature will survive the flood. One week from today I will begin forty days and forty nights of rain, and I will wipe from the earth all the living things I have created. So Noah did exactly as the Lord had commanded him. He was 600 years old when the flood came, and he went aboard the boat to escape, he and his wife and his sons and their wives. With them were all the various kinds of animals, those approved for eating and sacrifice and those that were not, along with all the birds and other small animals. They came into the boat in pairs, male and female, just as God had commanded Noah. One week later the flood came and covered the earth. When Noah was 600 years old, on the seventeenth day of the second month, the underground waters burst forth on the earth, and the rain fell in mighty torrents from the sky. The rain continued to fall for forty days and forty nights, but Noah had gone into the boat that very day with his wife and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives. With them in the boat were pairs of every kind of breathing animal, domestic and wild, large and small, along with birds and flying insects of every kind. Two by two they came into the boat, male and female, just as God had commanded. Then the Lord shut them in. For forty days the floods prevailed, covering the ground and lifting the boat high above the earth. As the waters rose higher and higher above the ground, the boat floated safely on the surface. Finally the water covered even the highest mountains on the earth, standing more than twenty-two feet above the highest peaks. All the living things on earth died. Birds, domestic animals, wild animals, all kinds of small animals, and all the people. Everything died that breathed and lived on dry land. Every living thing on the earth was wiped out. People, animals both large and small, and birds. They were all destroyed, and only Noah was left alive, along with those who were left with him in the boat. And the water covered the earth for 150 days. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 8. But God remembered Noah and all the animals in the boat. He sent a wind to blow across the waters, and the floods began to disappear. The underground water sources ceased their gushing, and the torrential rain stopped, so the flood gradually began to recede. After 150 days, exactly five months from the time the flood began, the boat came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. Two and a half months later, as the waters continued to go down, other mountain peaks began to appear. After another 40 days, Noah opened the window he had made in the boat and released a raven that flew back and forth until the earth was dry. Then he sent out a dove to see if it could find dry ground. 
But the dove found no place to land because the water was still too high. So it returned to the boat, and Noah held out his hand and drew the dove back inside. Seven days later, Noah released the dove again. This time, toward evening, the bird returned to him with a fresh olive leaf in its beak. Noah now knew that the water was almost gone. A week later, he released the dove again, and this time it did not come back. Finally, when Noah was 601 years old, ten and a half months after the flood began, Noah lifted back the cover to look. The water was drying up. Two more months went by, and at last the earth was dry. Then God said to Noah, Leave the boat, all of you. Release all the animals and birds so they can breed and reproduce in great numbers. So Noah, his wife, and his sons and their wives left the boat. And all the various kinds of animals and birds came out, pair by pair. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and sacrificed on it the animals and birds that had been approved for that purpose. And the Lord was pleased with the sacrifice and said to himself, I will never again curse the earth, destroying all living things, even though people's thoughts and actions are bent toward evil from childhood. As long as the earth remains, there will be springtime and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night. Genesis 9 God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, Multiply and fill the earth. All the wild animals, large and small, and all the birds and fish will be afraid of you. I have placed them in your power. I have given them to you for food, just as I have given you grain and vegetables. But you must never eat animals that still have their lifeblood in them. And murder is forbidden. Animals that kill people must die, and any person who murders must be killed. Yes, you must execute anyone who murders another person. For to kill a person is to kill a living being made in God's image. Now you must have many children and repopulate the earth. Yes, multiply and fill the earth. End of reading Genesis 5, 1 through 9, 7. I believe that a rest. God is good. I do confess. I believe it's Adam and Eve in a tree in a garden. This is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. The book of Genesis, chapter 5 through chapter 9, the fall of man into sin. And then we see as the human race begins to expand from Adam and Eve to Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel, then Seth is born, and Seth has a son named Enosh, and on and on it goes. You see the genealogies that are presented living many, many years, long, long lifetimes. Many have conjectured that this is because at that time in the earth there was a canopy, cloud canopy around the planet Earth, all around, which moderated the temperature of the planet. This is one of the reasons why we find in the polar regions, archaeologists, when they dig deep enough, find trees and it looks like there was one time a plant life and a moderate temperature. And that's exactly what some have conjectured. Early in the history of the human race, there was a cloud canopy around the earth. It didn't rain, but it created a canopy of moderate temperature. Plus, it created a higher oxygen content in the atmosphere, in the air pressure of the earth. Isn't it 15.2 or something like that? Pounds per square inch, generally speaking, at sea level. 
This, they say, was probably a higher air pressure in the atmosphere in these times, a higher oxygen level, which led to greater health, faster healing for the people. They were genetically young and purer. There was less possibility of diseases slipping into the genetic history. Also, this cloud cover helped protect them from the harmful aging effects of the sun. So a lot of these things are thought of and spoken of as reasons that would help us understand these long lives of the human race at this time. Now remember, God told Adam and Eve to spread out. He told them to spread out, fill the earth, be fruitful, multiply, but fill the earth. His intent was for mankind to spread out over all the earth, not to remain together with the sin nature at work, there was this potential of the whole human race falling into the mob psychology of everyone psychologically moving forward in sin. We see from the beginning that the race begins to divide into those who love God, follow God, desire God, want to know God, pursuing God, and those who do not want to pursue God. At least in general, we understand from these passages that they did not spread out and multiply to the degree that at least that God had intended. They began to multiply, of course. The population grew, but they did not spread out. They stayed together in one culture, evidently one language, and sin then begins to take on this mob mentality. It says at the beginning of chapter 6 that the sons of God saw the beautiful women and took any they wanted as their wives and so on. Now, some people think the sons of God or the Nephilites may have been fallen angels, but we're told in the New Testament in Matthew 22, no lesser authority than the Messiah himself made it clear that angels do not propagate. They do not reproduce. And so probably this phrase about the sons of God interacting with those of the flesh here, it's these two groups those who trust in God and believe in God from the lineage of Seth and those that reject God, they begin to have children and intermarry, weakening the good influence of the faithful and increasing moral depravity, resulting ultimately in an explosion of evil. This idea of the mob mentality catching on and a great deal of momentum being set up then for wickedness and for evil. And that's what we see in chapter 6. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. There was no mitigating influence to lessen that in the human race, and it just grew and grew till the race became incorrigible, given over to wickedness. This particular version says it broke his heart. The Lord said, I will wipe this human race from the earth. I will destroy every living thing. But Noah found favor with the Lord. And then we begin to see the story of Noah. I was looking into these uh, genealogies, and Methuselah, who lived 969 years, the flood came in the year that Methuselah died. His name, actually, Methuselah, means when he dies, when he shall die. The man who has the longest life recorded, 969 years, becomes a symbol of God's waiting, his patience in judging humanity. Because when he died, that was when the flood came. Very interesting detail of the passage, but it shows us God's sovereignty, that he is guiding the situation, guiding in the affairs of men and nations, even at this early, early stage. So the human race falls into sin. The whole race goes into depravity and immorality. Selfishness and sin are rampant, and God floods the earth. The fountains of the deep were broken. And what was it Bill, Bill Cosby used to say in his famous comedy routine? God said, I'll rain for like 1,500 days. And Noah said, no, wait, let it rain for 40 days and 40 nights and wait for the sewers to back up. <laughs> yes, I remember Cosby saying that. And, of course, if you talk about the moral sewers of the time, this is, in a sense, what happened. The planet was taken. People were taken on into judgment. All but these eight people 
Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives. And so the human race begins again now after the flood recedes. In chapter 9, we just read it as we ended our reading tonight. God blessed Noah and his sons, and he told them, Be fruitful and multiply. So again, fill the earth. God gives to the human race again now this same admonition. It's a very important admonition. Fill the earth. That means scatter out. They would need to move away so that the people in the mountains would have a different culture very soon, quickly, from the people in the desert. People that live on the beaches and on islands would have a different culture from those who live in the plains areas. They would develop, clearly, from these different life situations and environments, they would develop different cultures and eventually even different languages because they would have different kinds of plants, different kinds of animals, different kinds of food and customs that they would develop. I'm convinced myself that this was God's intent, that they would multiply fill the earth, and this would help diminish the effects of sin, the sin nature that was released within them, then it wouldn't be just the whole human race walking in lockstep to sin and to judgment again, but there would be this mitigating influence when one dictator rose up over here and guided the people into immorality or so on, there would be a, perhaps a counterculture, another group that would take a different path, and they would serve as a check and a balance on that sin nature that is within humanity. Now, one of the reasons I've come to believe that is that right after this is when we see in chapter 11 the Tower of Babel when God definitively says, okay, I'm going to scatter you. If you're not going to spread out and develop different people groups, I'm going to scatter you. And he accomplishes his objective by confusing the languages of humanity. We'll talk about that tomorrow night. Philologists, those who study the rising of different languages and language groups, see if that corresponds what they say to this idea of language developing very quickly. I really enjoy the reading tonight. Very interesting. Once more, we see these primary basic lessons of these principles, these laws that have been put into effect in man's relationship with God in the spiritual realm. We see the principle of sin as sin works through the human race. It destroys, it robs them of their joy, it robs them of the relationship with their God, and it destroys the human race. It brings them down in their morality and their life experience. And then we see the certainty of God's judgment. God will indeed judge sin and unrighteousness. He has never shown hesitation to do so, and He will indeed do that. He will judge. Sin will be judged. We also see evidence of his patience and his forgiveness and his faithfulness to his word. We'll continue tomorrow on The Bible Life. Hope he reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations and materials purchases at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. 
let the most important word you hear each day be God's Word. 